From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 416. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Trade Coffee, and Capital One. My name is Mike Hurley, but don't worry about that. Here's Federico. Hi, Federico. No, I do worry about that. Hello, Mike Hurley. Oh, don't How worry about you? me. I'm good. I- I'm good. I'm good. You good? You're you're mm-hmm. a bit back back in your homeland. Back, baby. All right. And are you we back are in also your homeland? D- well, I, I never left. So <laughs> <laughs> I was always here. Uh, <laughs> and we're also joined by Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. How are you? I am good. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm. I'm sure Mike feels worse than I do, but I definitely feel like I am recovering in a deep and profound way from <laughs> last week. Deep and profound. That's a good way to put it. A deep and profound framework. Uh, Mike wanted to reiterate how good Sticker Drop is on iOS 16. It's just so good. So, like, this is an app that we spoke about very quickly last week. It's an an app that lets you create stickers out of that new uh, thing. What is it called? The way you can drag a person out. Uh, lifting the subject of from of a photo. Like, is that like the official name? Like it doesn't have a name. Like God, I checked this. Why like, do all of that and not even friggin' name the thing? The dynamic I, so cutout. I checked. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I checked the Apple website. I checked the developer documentation. I checked the uh, the sort of a uh, material that they send to the press uh, in the summer for beta mm-hmm. season. They always use the phrase, "You can lift the subject from a photo." Like it doesn't have a name. They just describe what you do. Can we can we talk about though how that sort of messes up the uh, live photo play gesture? Oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, Mike complained about this a while back. But I want to reiterate, it's bad. <laughs> I did notice something about live photos. I don't know if it's an iOS sixteen thing or not. So as part of one of the like parts of the podcastathon, someone on my phone I think took a bunch of photos one after the other. And if you press and hold on the live photo, it just plays through all of them like a mini movie. Hmm. Yeah, that's that was added like a couple of years ago. Oh, really? I've never experienced it before, which is just yeah. Very so the idea is, the idea is, if you long press on a live photo, and that live photo is the first one of a bunch of pictures that were taken in rapid succession, they're gonna play through from top to bottom like a mini movie. That's so cool. I'd never. I mean, I guess this is one of those things you have to have that to know yeah. that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I didn't even know it was going to happen. I just wanted to see what the live photo was like, and it just kept going. I was like, oh, look at this. Um, but yeah, the live photo things got worse, but sticker drop is great. So like, because we mentioned it on the episode, but then since then, I think we all have used it to create a bunch of stickers. And it's just a really great way if you're in a group chat to cyber bully your friends, I think. Yes. In like the nicest possible way. Yeah. So... You know, one person sends a picture of themselves in in some kind of situation, and then you can take them and make that a sticker and just keep sending it over and over again. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nicely done. also works well with dogs. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's also a pretty cost-effective way to make stickers uh, from popular, I don't know, uh, movie characters, video game characters, uh, anime characters. Yeah, this uh, this honestly is what worries me about the app's future because that's actually yeah, not well, allowed on the app store right so but like this is like a way around that yeah but i mean take it up to apple for <laughs> building this feature you know like it's right 
I mean, if Apple lets you turn anything into a PNG and and Marvel gets upset because people are making PNGs of Spider-Man, so be it, you know? So be it. You heard it here mm. first, Federico said so be it. I have some important emoji news. Okay. Slack has finally gotten up to date <laughs> with their emoji reactions. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what happened for the last three years, but they've finally done all of them. Uh, I will say that I'm particularly happy that they didn't just add like two years of emoji or one year of emoji, but still didn't do the most recent ones. They have now updated it. And the Mac app Rocket that I like a lot. This is the one where you type colon and you can and it starts like give, you can search for emoji with text. That has been out of date for a little bit too. They just got up to date as well. So I'm happy about that. So uh, emoji, I don't know what happened in the last couple of days that everybody updated their emoji, but it has happened. Maybe Salesforce finally found like the text file telling them how to upload new emoji to Slack, you know, when they bought Slack. Yeah, so. I was going to make a Salesforce joke myself and you did. So thank you. That, I just... That did not disappoint. Don't understand how this is an issue for them, but... It's wild. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they're there. I hadn't even noticed until I saw this in the show notes. And then I sent you a melty face in Slack. I was like, look, it works. Mm-hmm. So good. I have some sad news, though. Uh-oh. Oh. The iPhone 14 Pro's lightning port is still USB 2.0. Now, this is not sad. This is an obvious piece <laughs> of follow-up. Yeah. Like Which is what we tried to tell you at a time. <laughs> Nothing like yeah. trying to import 90 megabyte raw files of USB 2. But here Just you go. Just use AirDrop. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, lightning is such a bottleneck that I think anyone doing serious file transfers just bypass it any way they can either yeah. airdrop or iCloud photo library or something, but it's uh, it's a bummer. Maybe next year with USB-C they'll go faster. Uh, so in case you don't remember, this was Steven's Ricky that they would go to USB 3.0. We didn't have to bring that up. I feel like that was necessary as like, why would, why would we care about this piece of news? Cause without that Ricky, they, this would not have made it into the show. I, right. I, I did just have a, a funny thought of like, what if the iPhone 15 gets USB-C, but the iPhone 15 Pro gets Thunderbolt? And then I realized that was stupid. But can you imagine? That'd be like, what would you do with it on a phone? What do you even do with it on an iPad? Just uh, Although... I mean, they put it on the iPad, so why not put it on the phone? What difference does it make? Now that you mention it, like you should save that as a Ricky. I mean, if you think about it, you got, you know, uh, it's not unprecedented. You have USB-C on the iPad Air and Thunderbolt on the iPad Pro. Drive a Pro Display XDR with match. your iPhone 15 Pro. Uh, no, but you could have super fast data transfers for those raw photos that mm-hmm. you capture on your or, or 15 Pro. Or Stage Manager comes with the iPhone 15 Pro. No. But no, only no. with an external display. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine oh, no, that's kind of like what samsung does with the samsung dex that's yeah. essentially the idea yeah uh, yeah dex it up dex it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say you must have been paying attention to the ads is that is that like an official tagline or did it, it is now with it okay i mean could be couldn't it dex it up <laughs> dex it up with the s22 I Googled it, didn't provide anything. Just okay. wanted to double check. Good. Could have been like Dynamic Island all over again. Could it could be. Could be. Speaking of, Ooh. we had somebody on Twitter who, whose username is O oh, Another Alt send in a screenshot of listening to this show 
uh, with it in the Dynamic Island. And uh, the waveform for Connected in the Dynamic Island, good looking. Good looking waveform, color-wise. Oh, look at that. So if if you have a new iPhone and you've yet to do it and you're listening to this episode right now, take out your phone, look at the Dynamic Island. Uh, The artwork is real good because it's a nice colorful gradient. This person is in SOS mode, so it looks like connected SOS. Like, <laughs> that's funny. That's what we should have named that. the membership version. We could redo it. Why? Connected SOS. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Yeah, because the dynamic Allen tries to pick the primary color of the artworks. Like, if you're listening to Clockwise, which is yellow, the little eq thing is yellow but i guess with connected there's too many colors and too small of a space so it just does a gradient of them which is it's fantastic i think it looks really good um do the waveforms on the lock screen pick up the colors as well or is that just the dynamic island i think it's just the island yeah i think so i think they're monochrome on the lock screen i don't think i'd noticed it before i feel like we would yeah, have seen that. Yeah, it's just it's kind of that gray color on the yeah. lock screen. I don't. Well, it's not the dynamic lock screen, is it? It is not. We'll talk more about the iPhone 14 Pro though, because I do have feelings about some of the stuff. Let's speak about the iPhone 14 now, and specifically its back gloss. Ooh. It's no longer attached to any components, which is making repairs easier and cheaper. <laughs> the way you said that, it's like it's just floating, like. Oh, it just floats out there, and you got to grab it and like hold it tight, or it uh-huh. will get away from you. Uh, out of warranty, a back glass repair on the iPhone 14 line is $149, rather than the five to six hundred dollars on uh, older models. Yeah, so the the, the way they're doing this is the iPhone 14 is built with a new mid plate, so all of the components, like the battery, the logic board, the cameras. All that stuff is connected to this mid plate, and then the screen with the front glass and the back glass are are basically independent. They're not structural. The way these phones used to be built, and the way the Pros are still built, they didn't change it on the Pros, just the regular 14, is that the back glass is basically part of the, the housing of the phone. And so if you break your back glass, that's why it's so much more expensive and at least last time I had to do one, they actually replace your whole phone. They don't, uh, they don't just like scoop all your iPhone guts out and put it in a new case. So this does make it more repairable. This is something we talked about when Apple launched the self-service repair program. Like mm-hmm. what, you know, what decisions will they make when designing products with this in mind? And I think this is a pretty good case of, you know, looking at, okay, not just how it's built, not just how we construct it, but how does it actually like get fixed out in the world? Are people doing it themselves or in our stores, and so they've made this change. I don't know why it's just the iPhone 14. I do think it's funny that the phone that is effectively the iPhone 13, just with some slight upgrades, totally rebuilt inside, totally new. The phone that looks new with this new screen and dynamic island stuff, different on the outside, same on the inside. So maybe they're just... Tr- they're trying to level the playing field, you know? So the iPhone 14 Pro, this isn't the case? Not the case. Just the regular iPhone 14. Huh. And assuming assuming the Plus is this way too, but we don't know yet because no one has the Plus. But just the regular iPhone 14 has this new construction method. If you look at the, tear, the teardowns of the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max, 
they are built just like the 13 and 13 Pro Max, with the exception of US phones having a plastic, it's not, I'm sure it's not 3D printed, but it looks like it is, like a plastic spacer where the SIM tray would be. So like you don't get extra battery <laughs> or anything. It's literally a plastic little box to hold the space open. Right. Uh, it even has the board, the under it even has the sockets for, for like the, the little connectors for the SIM tray. Because mm-hmm. if you buy a non-US phone, you do get a SIM card still. But in the US, it is like didn't put that part on and put this little spacer puck in there instead. It's hilarious. That to me. shows you though, I think that they're going to push really hard to try and get rid of the SIM everywhere now. Yeah. Like, I understand that they can't, maybe can't do it everywhere yet, but now if they've got, like, wasted space in the iPhone, go for it. And, like, I know people are like, but, like, yeah, that's how people go, by the way. that That's that sound I made. That's, that's what I people, see when people start complaining on Twitter. Sound. But, okay. like, they're not going to make a brand new phone design for America, right? They're not going to be like, oh, and we put new, more battery in it. They're not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. More freedom. Like, they're, ju- they're just going to, like, <laughs> remove that part and, like, go for it, right? But they're not going to, like, completely re-architect the exa- like how the phone goes inside. You know what I mean? Like, they're just not going to do that. So they're going to have to wait until they can do it in more places uh, before they can fill that space up with, I don't know, uh, a periscope headphone jack maybe that's why they got rid of this because they need space for that periscope yeah they saw they saw that website we did a few weeks ago where we built our own iphones and they were like look yeah. we can put a headphone port or hdmi port on the side of the phone if you don't know what we're talking about that was a connected pro segment oh how do how do people listen to that mike connected pro.co connected pro.co get connect no get connected pro.co get connected pro.co that's the domain Protocol. get connected pro.co Leave me alone. There's a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Big news. Okay. Big, big news. It is. How big? It's huge. We are, as I read this out loud, at $437,000 raised for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. That is pretty. You weren't lying. Yeah, that's pretty big news. Huge news. Mm-hmm. If you missed it, last Friday, uh, Mike and I hosted the fourth annual podcastathon. We were joined by a bunch of friends, including Federico, and we played... We did a quiz. We played the quiz. Mike, do you need to read the scores out on this show to make it official? No. We're still new to this. You know, there's no, there's not a bill of quizzes. Right? They'll get... The next time I do a quiz, which who knows when it might happen, the next time I do a quiz... Now I'm worried. Uh, <laughs> I considered one today, but I didn't do it. I have a topic later on that I was considering, like, is there a way I can make this a quiz? But then realized the quiz would be too boring. Mm. So <laughs> did we're not doing a quiz today. But who knows? when? I mean, maybe there is going to be a quiz today. But next time there's a quiz, I'll update the scores. But if people want to get the the score as it is right now, they can go and watch the podcast-a-thon on YouTube. Yes. And they can watch the segment and they can hear the scores. Yep. And it's pretty early in the show. But you should definitely someone, go, go watch the someone, whole thing. I want to give a big shout, shout out to Cosmaniac in the YouTube comments who has timestamped every segment. Oh, I hadn't seen that. That's incredible. Yep. Thank you. Yep. yep. That's really cool. Yep. It was, it was a fantastic show. It was so good to do it together again because the last two years we've been remote, as people know. And that was, that was, it was hard to pull the show off and it wasn't as much fun. And this year was just a real celebration of this campaign and, and what our listeners have been able to do for St. Jude. But there's still 
a week and a half of September left, and we are still fundraising throughout the rest of the month. We have several more. We have several more live streams planned. Uh, one this week and a couple next week. Things that we unlocked during the podcastathon. So keep an eye out on Twitter and Discord for those announcements. And uh, we're going to have a closing ceremonies stream the last day of the month. <laughs> but we still have time to donate. And you want to go to stjude.org slash relay and you can donate there. You can also still sign up to become a fundraiser. If you raise $250, you get the desk mat that we showed off on the podcastathon. Uh, we currently have 218 fundraisers running, which is just incredible. A bunch of people doing really good work fundraising out there. It's been really awesome to see that. And, you know, this is important work. St. Jude's work is really important. When they started 60 years ago, the childhood cancer survivor rate was only 20%. And now, due in large part to St. Jude's work in this area, it is now 80%, and they're they're climbing toward 90 And that is just incredible. But even with their success, uh, child cancer is still the number one cause of death for children due to disease. It's it's a tragic thing. It's one, it's something that strikes a lot of families, including my own. And St. Jude's work here is just next level. You have the best treatment, the best research, the best doctors, and that research is then shared around the world. So if you are in another country and you think, well, you know, why would I want to back this. It's in America. America's healthcare system is bad. St. Jude treats people for free, which is incredible. Maybe in in your country, dear listener, that's not that big of an issue. Well, let me tell you, their research is shared around the world. And so if uh, a child is diagnosed with cancer elsewhere, St. Jude's work here can benefit that child and their family and can inform the treatments that that child will receive. It's it's just the global scale of it is so much bigger than I ever knew. You know, when we were there with Josiah, our oldest son, when he was receiving chemotherapy as an infant, you got your blinders on, right? You're just focused on the next round of chemo, the next MRI, the next test, the next scan, whatever it may be. But what I've learned in the 13 years since is that St. Jude's work is really beyond any borders. It, It is really around the world. And it's been a real honor once again, to take part of, of this campaign. So uh, we urge you to donate if you haven't. Go to stjude.org slash relay. If you have donated, uh, there's a fun thing. Uh, you can do find a, a fundraiser and you know help help someone else's team uh, raise some more money. You can donate more than once. And uh, we're, we're very close to our goal, $2 million over the last four years. And that, I mean, uh, I think we used the word in the live show, Mike, but that's so humbling to to see from our listeners and thank you all. It's been an incredible month and we're still going to talk about it for another couple of weeks. Uh, so please go donate, get involved. There's still lots of time left. Stjude.org slash relay. This episode of connected is made possible by Squarespace, the all in one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience or sell anything products, services, even content. Squarespace has you covered for all of it. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your traffic is coming from, how people are ending up buying things from your site, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. And you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords and your most popular products and content. They also have those insights with Squarespace email campaigns. So you can send beautiful emails 
to people. They have this awesome email template you start from. You get to customize it. But those analytics are measuring the impact of every email you send. Plus, you can use their SEO tools. They have a whole suite of integrated features and useful guides to help maximize your prominence among search results. I love building on Squarespace. It's great to build something that looks really good. It looks good on any device that someone may visit on. And you have all of these tools built in for seeing how your site is performing. And having all that in one place in a system that can adapt and grow with you as your site needs to adapt and grow, it's really the place to build a website. Head on over to squarespace.com connected to do just that. You can get a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONNECTED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Connected and RelayFM. Steven, did you get your iPhone? I, I did. The better question is, have I finally set it up? Because That's kind of my... what I meant to ask you, because I knew you got it. That was what I meant more than anything. Because I spent a bunch of days with you, and you just left it in a box or whatever. I did. Uh, so I'd said on the show last week that I, you know, like a lot of people, had some hiccups while ordering. And by the time I got it strained out, my phone pickup was for Saturday, and yours was for Friday. So we had one phone for the podcast And then I, I realized like three days ago that we didn't actually do anything with the new iPhone on the podcast but that was fine. But while I was there picking yours up, I asked the guy, I was like, hey, no big deal. Like, I totally understand if you can't do it, but I have a pickup for tomorrow. Could I get that phone today? And he was like, yeah, of course. Like, if it's available, we'll just get it for you. And so it took a few minutes to get that phone. Maybe it was like in the back of the store, like had it, you know, the Saturday ones were still boxed up or something. But uh, they, they did it for me. It was really awesome. I was surprised at how quiet pickup was. So I was there 8.30 on launch day morning. That's usually been a pretty busy time at the Apple Store. Even like my Apple Store, which is like we're a small market, right? It's not busy like, you know, big big city store like London or Chicago or Rome or something. But there were not many people there. There were maybe a dozen people in line without reservations, just, you know, going up there trying to get one. And I know they space out the reservations, but there were only maybe another dozen of us or so picking up. And I, uh, again, like the guy who was very helpful and let me get my phone a day early. I was like, it's kind of quiet. He was like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little slow. So I don't know what that means, but it's just something that I noticed. Um, in the store, of course, you get to see all the colors, right? They have them all on the table. And a couple of quick impressions. The purple is very much what people say. It is it is a gray purple. Now, my Apple store, like a lot of them is like all glass on the front and it faces east. So like there's a lot of morning sun coming in. And the one that was in the sun looks like purple. But the one in the shadow was like, okay, this is just a gray. We're like... Mm-hmm. Someone was painting something purple next door and some paint dust like floated over the fence and set it on this phone. Like it's very subdued. I think it's nice looking, but it's not it's not super vibrant. I I do have a little pang of regret about the space black. I was gonna do the black one, and then I got scared that it was gonna look like some of the, the other recent space gray or space black phones, graphite, where it was kind of like a, a brownish color, like not really black and so I, I i switched to white and silver which looks fantastic 
but the black looks really good too. I kind of wish I'd stuck with my with my initial pick there. You know, the colors on the Pro phones have been boring for a long time. I think the regular iPhone colors are are better this year. The I like the the blue is very much like the Sierra blue that the Pro was last year. Of course, they've got the red and you know. But I I, I don't think gold's boring. By the way, the gold ain't boring. The gold is its own thing. Like it's out there being ostentatious. Mm-hmm. That's the gold stuff. Yeah. You know. But gold ain't boring. Gold looks fantastic. Yeah, you're you're a big gold boy. Mm-hmm. Federico, you get gold too, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, see, me too. Mm-hmm. Gold, gold watches. Gold no, I don't have. I don't have a gold watch, but you should. It's great. Gold phone. Yeah, Mike does. Gold, gold rimmed glasses. Yep, I have a gold wedding ring now. Gold wedding ring now. Big gold boy. I, I think the the best colors in recent history are the 10R still, and Apple. I don't think has has gone back to those heights yet. But uh, that was kind of my my pickup. Uh, and yeah, just with the podcastathon, and then the next day we did like zip lining and went to a football game. I finally got it set up Monday night like after you were gone. I was like, okay, the Hurleys are gone. I can like sit down and do this. Um, I did the direct transfer, which Mike, I know you had a lot of problems with. Disaster! It was a disaster. Mine was perfectly flawless, as it has been the last several years, and so it does take longer. But I've had good luck with it. And look, everyone has a horror story about whatever way they pick, right? Like none of these are perfect. You're just going to have to pick the one that works for you. I know some people still back up to Finder and do that whole song and dance over their USB 2.0 lightning port. But mm-hmm. direct transfer worked for me. It took several hours, of course. And then I, I did it overnight, right? So I was going to bed. I set it up. I had them both plugged in on my dresser. And then the next morning, both were done, right? And I had it touch them because I was asleep. It's so like both the alarms went off on both phones. That's helpful. And, but they were like slightly out of sync. Like just, it was, <laughs> like it was very strange. And I was like, what is happening? And then I remembered I had two phones and, you know, got it. Uh, it was two, two day phones, you know, day phone one, day phone two. Mm-hmm. The migration went really well. The only thing I had to sign back into was YouTube Studio. And I think YouTube itself, but the Google apps, like, I mean, Google builds terrible iOS apps. So I'm not surprised that they don't conform to what they're supposed to. But other than that, it uh, has been really smooth. And uh, yeah, so far, I mean, it's only been two days because I waited because we were so busy. But I've I've been really happy with it so far. Uh, thoughts on the always-on display? It's weird. It takes getting used to. I, like everyone else who's talked about this, have had the experience of, oh, gosh, my phone is on. Mm-hmm. And I actually had it last night. So last night, I went to uh, like a small group meeting thing. And had my phone out on this guy's coffee table, screen up. And, of course, even after like a day, I was like, oh, yeah, it's always on. But no one else in the room had seen a new phone yet. And they were like, like I kept pe- I kept catching people see it. Like, no one said anything, but like I was very aware that, like, oh, it looks like his phone is just on. So I ended up turning it over. But Well, I mean, it kind of is, right? Because there's notifications yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. They don't flash up, but they appear. So, like... Out of your peripheral vision, you still see the notifications on the screen. Yeah, which I I want there to be more options for the always-on display. So there are a couple of things mm-hmm. I would I would like to see. Um, I would like an option for notifications not to come in, and they just appear like when it when you tap it or pick it up when it sort of comes back to life. Uh, the other thing I would like to see is an option to completely get rid of the wallpaper and like just have black with white or whatever color you're using for the the widgets and the clock that's more like what android phones have done like the pixel and some samsung phones have done this a long time apple's late to this party but 
I kind of wish I had the option to like totally get rid of my wallpaper and have have it a little bit simpler. Uh, I think right now the always on display is like two on, <laughs> and I'd like to tone it down a little bit. I've come around to the wallpaper. I actually like that the wallpaper's there now. Like I find that to be quite nice. What I would like is for, because I mean, I choose the notification count option. I would prefer that number to just increment for the notifications to not actually show on the screen. That I would like that. That would be a little bit more subdued uh, for me. That's, which is, that's what I would like. But I I felt like you did about the, the wallpaper. But with a couple more days of use, I've actually come to appreciate it. There is another reason, though, like for the notifications. It's not just because of the lighting, like, the, you know, like appearing on the screen and catching your eye. The fact that if I see a notification on my phone and my phone's on the desk, if I tap it, it doesn't actually do anything. Like, I can't swipe it away either because I have to wake the screen up first to do that. Mm-hmm. As you see a notification, you swipe it to, like, get rid of it. It doesn't do anything because you need to wake the phone first by tapping the screen yeah. or whatever. So, like... That kind of makes it feel broken in a way. So I would prefer if it just just incremented the number. Hmm. And I'm thinking maybe I'm going to turn on that feature of like, I don't know if you guys have this, but I, I you remember when Face ID came along and you had to like authenticate by looking at the phone? Yeah. Yes. Right? For the notification preview to show. I turned that feature off so my notifications just always came in. Me too. I'm going to try turning that feature on to see if it makes me realize more when the notification is actionable or not. Do I want previews to be never? Mm, no, I'm going to try when unlocked and I'll, and maybe I can, I will report back on that. I've tried it too. I've just, I've just changed that setting. Um, but yeah, it's like the, where the lines are drawn are just a little bit strange to me. And if you can see these notifications coming in, like it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. And the, the other thing from a design perspective that, that is really kind of jarring to me, honestly, is I think I shared with you all last week for a while now, I've been running light mode in the day, dark mode at night. And the always on display in light mode is is pretty jarring so like it's dark right notification comes in it it is in kind of its dark mode ui but then you tap it or pick it up and it comes back to life all the the now playing screen the now notifications switch to white and that's not always a smooth transition like it's actually kind of kind of janky kind of janky looking like i i don't know what they could do there um Maybe they can. Well, you just got to fix the way you use your phone. You use dark mode all the time. Yeah, which I did for a long time, and maybe I just go back to it. But dark mode forever. I, I feel like there's so many things about this phone that dark mode looks better. And I think always on looks better in dark mode. I think the dynamic island. Uh, I think it's less obtrusive in dark mode, but then you don't see some of the fun animation. Like if you're on a black screen, the face ID thing comes out and like a little black sheet, and you can't really kind of see the animation because it's all just dark. Like. You kind of have to like pick your your mode now with with more things to consider. Uh, so I just I, I want more refinement here from the always on display. I don't realistically think I'm going to get a bunch of, bunch of the toggles that I want, but I'd be willing for Apple to to revisit this and and kind of kind of make some more informed decisions about what's active, what's inactive, what's the transition state between those things because right now it feels. It doesn't feel broken by any means, but it's, I just I find it surprising the way that it works at times. 
I said it's an upgrade. I don't want to repeat myself, but I'll say it again anyway because I think it's relevant to the conversation. Like the way I've come down on it is, I think that they have just decided always on to them means that the phone should look like it's always on. Yeah. Like and and I'm not saying I did. Yeah, they they did what it, what it, what it's called always on. <laughs> I genuinely think that they were like we want to make an always on display, and what's going to make ours different is it's going to look like it's always on. And I've actually come around on that. Like that I actually kind of yeah. like it because it's like that. I'm not saying it's the right way to go, but I'm thinking that's what they decided. And when I kind of put myself in that frame of mind, I actually have come around on the idea more. And I, and I like that really it's just a sense of like the phone is dimmed or not dimmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Like, you know, I chose my lock screen picture for a reason and actually, you know, in the past, I've always been a bit like, oh, I don't actually get to see that lock screen image very much because the phone is off. And when the phone's not off, I've opened it, right? Like that's kind of the way that I do things. Now I see this image all the time. Like I actually now maybe see an, a, a, an idea of like maybe wanting to set up one of those photo shuffles or something a bit more because I'm more likely to see the image than ever before. So having that rotate, between a lot of images that I like might be something that I want to do in the future. And also mm-hmm. it has already pushed me to making um, some, uh, I've made one so far and I'm going to make more specific lock screens for different focus modes, you know, like stuff like, so I actually think that there is a benefit in that, but it is a choice that they made, I think, which yeah. a lot of people are not going to like. Yeah, I think the I think you know judging from the outside, I think they did exactly what it's called. It's called always on because it looks like it's always on. And I think that that's where the problem lies because a lot of people saw always on display and they thought, "Oh, it's going to be like on Android." So some people had expectations for Let's say that some people had expectations for a feature that instead of being called always on was going to be called kinda off, which is <laughs> what some Android phones do. It looks kinda off, but it's not because it shows you some very basic elements. So some people wanted to have the kinda off mode, whereas Apple went always on, which is like we show you basically everything in a dimmed state. I do wonder if that becomes an option in the future, though, because I could easily see, you know, a page in settings where you go in and you're like, you know, do you want to have this minimal mode or do you want to have the uh, true always on mode? And I mean, Apple has done customization for uh, wilder things lately. Wouldn't surprise me if, you know, even in a point update or let's say even in iOS 17, they introduce a different mode that you can, you know, you can choose multiple options for the always on display essentially. So you can turn it off all the way down or just, uh, you know, Keep it as it is right now. Like I also think right now they're they're flexing their screen technology a bit, right? Because my understanding, like always on displays, look the way they do on Android phones, you know, that have been around for a while, is because it was really a, a benefit of OLED. Right. So you had an OLED display, you would just light up the pixels that were needed and you'd save battery that way. But because Apple uses this LTPO, I think it's the, the correct organization of letters. Uh, you can have a display that just refreshes really slowly, like once a minute, and that saves battery in its own way, combined with, I'm sure, some benefits of OLED and, and not needing to light the screen up fully or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, they are flexing that technology. And other companies use it now, but other companies had developed their like uh, 
they're always on technology uh, to be, or they view the look of their technology to be a specific kind kind of thing, right? And so they do it the way that they do it visually, say like on Android phones or whatever, even if they have this tech now, because, well, they just made their screens to look that way. And that's now become the accepted or like the believed upon standard that it was actually quite minimal in its design. And so now, you know, I said once a minute that everyone in the chat is saying once a second, they could do it however, the point is they can do it whatever they want. But anyway, uh, they have this technology where they can, they can more variably refresh what's on the screen. Yeah. And this is also similar to what's on the always on displays on the watch, which aren't updating once a second. That's kind of the point. Um, and they can save battery that way. And they've gone for always on instead of, Hey, this is a minimal view. And the, the widgets respond a little bit differently because of that too. Like if you're running a timer on the always on display, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually refresh every second. You get like a minute and then like an ellipses. It's some of the decisions yeah. around that are a little bit strange. I've noticed that with some third party widgets as well. I don't know, you know, if Apple is doing something to really limit how frequently those can update uh, outside of the screen technology. Like maybe they're more conservative than, than the screen would allow, but it's another kind of difference when you're in these two modes. I want to talk about the camera for a minute. I feel like the main camera is not the massive jump forward I was kind of hoping for. Now, I say that with a caveat of I haven't done much with RAW. And with RAW, you get the full 48 megapixels, and there's some and there's some amazing examples out there. I've been taking some photos with RAW. The, the difference I, is unbelievable. Like, the detail that you can get is blowing my mind. Are you shooting with Halide? And yes, and I also, because Halide just put the 48 megapixel update out yesterday, before that I was just t- toggling it on in the camera, right? Because it yeah. make it pretty easy to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, you need processing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the detail that you can get is unbelievable. Like, I've kind of come down on the, like, I'm going to shoot some photos that I know I'm going to go in and tinker a lot with, editing-wise. I'm probably going to shoot more of them in RAW. Mm-hmm. But also, like... Highlight does this really great thing where it shoots both. You get like a processed image and a raw image. If I'm taking a photo of something important, I'm probably going to try and use Highlight for that in the future so I can get both of those images. So I also have the one that has a ton of detail. It's really quite impressive. And it is, I will say, impressive. The difference is so stark in the detail it does make me wonder why they're not pulling more detail from the processed image. I don't understand it, but it is a surprise to me. The, the sensor has a lot of headroom. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trading off performance to a degree, right? Because if you do shoot in RAW, at least in Apple's own camera app, it is noticeably slower, Right, you get the little spinner, and then the preview pops in in the corner. Takes like two to three seconds. And so, imagine I would imagine that in that rubric of decision making, like performance is pretty high. Right, you you want to be able to take Mm. out your phone and shoot a bunch of pictures really quickly as your kid or dog is doing something cute. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you're shooting like you know a portrait of your significant other and you're in the sun, it's like beautiful. Like, yeah, flip that raw on or, or use something like Halide that shoots both at the same time. And then you can 
you can contend with them later in editing because raw does give you much more control over editing because so much more data from the sensor is is included so um yeah i think that's that's all great i'm super happy that 2x is back that was that's such a great zoom length i always thought 3x was a bit much and the 3x camera has never been spectacular uh it's still not as good as the main shooter this year although i do feel like ultra wide seems noticeably better maybe that's just like a little placebo effect i don't i don't know how much they actually improved it but seems like the ultra wide is closer to the main than than it ever has been and they continue to be fun photos to shoot yep and you can also thank the photonic engine for that yes thank you photonic engine well like it is on all of them right so like there could be something going on there uh, I've not seen any of the issues that some people have reported with like the optical image stabilization freaking out in certain applications. Uh, Apple says there'll be an update to iOS 16 next week that fixes that. I think the beta, if you're on 16.1, also fixes it. But some of those videos going around were a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, it seems weird. The OIS just freaking out and <laughs> banging the camera all around. But uh, hopefully that's that's not a, a big deal moving forward. I had a couple of um, Dynamic Island things to mention. Because mm-hmm. really, like, the Dynamic Island stuff is it's taking time for me to kind of experience things that make me feel a certain way or not about it. And a lot of it's not even there yet, right? Because live activities... I mean, I'm running the 16.1 beta and... Like there's there's nothing there, right? It's, it's going to take a while for apps to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there was uh, an an interaction that I enjoyed, which I hadn't seen until today, which was the compact UI for shortcuts is all in the dynamic island now, which is nice. Yeah. So you run a shortcut and you get a little icon of your shortcut, and it spins around the camera like the little mm-hmm. progress, which is very cute. And a nice benefit of that is that it, now if you use custom icons for your shortcuts, uh, that confirmation for your apps, so if you use shortcuts to make custom icons for things like Safari, right? Mm-hmm. You want to replace the Safari icon with a custom one, you make a shortcut that does the open app thing, uh, and now you have a custom Safari icon, great. Um, with the Dynamic Island, that confirmation banner that used to pop down from the top of the screen, now it lives in the Dynamic Island. So it's more compact. It doesn't get in the way. But even better, even if you don't have an iPhone 14 Pro with the Dynamic Island, that technique of using shortcuts for custom icons is better than before because those confirmation banners, they do not block interactions with the screen, even if for a split second, but it used to be in iOS 15 that using those icons was a very annoying because if you tapped on a custom icon, you couldn't immediately start swiping or scrolling on the screen because that banner for like 0.5 seconds was blocking interactions with the display. Mm-hmm. Now, regardless of whether you have a, an iPhone 14 Pro or not, that's no longer the case in iOS 16 because those banners, they do not block interactions with the screen anymore. But if you have an iPhone 14 Pro, it's even better because the banner is now a confirmation thing that Mike mentioned in the in the Dynamic Island. It's really nice. Uh, but I have one con of the Dynamic Island. It's breaking my muscle memory a little bit with getting my notifications from Notification Center because sometimes I swipe down, but it doesn't work. And it's because I swiped on a sensor. So like where I'm trying to pull down from, 
It's been the same place for a while, but it's not working as reliably. And I'm finding that to be annoying. Because <laughs> you're swiping down over your selfie camera instead of actual pixels. I Maybe I'll get used to it. Like, if I, you swipe down from the left of the th- sensors, it will definitely do it. Obviously, if you swipe down from the right, it's control center, which is annoying. Um, and you can, if you get it right, you can swipe down from the middle, but it doesn't work for me 100% of the time where it does uh, otherwise. So, yeah. Frustrating. Federico, what are your plans to get a phone? I'll figure them out soon enough. <laughs> like I told you, I will improvise. And uh, realistically, uh, what, what's going to look like? One day, I will be digging around the Apple website. I'll select my model. And very last minute, the Apple store nearby, if it's going to have it, I'll tell Sylvia, hey, this, one, this store has two left. Let's drive there and get it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do playing it faster i don't want to do the whole thing yeah i don't want to do the whole thing where you buy it and you gotta wait for five or six weeks Nah, i don't like i'm already waiting for furniture i don't want to have another thing that i'm supposed to be waiting for delivery no i'm just gonna swing it but you know when the day comes i will improvise and go there and pick up one in person like the good old days this is a very different like, I'm not used to this energy from you. Because I remember, like, the, the, the like, real chaotic energy you had that day when the phone was going to be delivered, but it wasn't going to arrive in the end. Yeah, that was rock bottom for me. <laughs> you just, uh, okay, I, you know what? Now I get it. You just decided I don't want to feel like mm, any of this nope, way anymore. Fine. Nope, exactly. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have the day one pressure. I don't want to have the delivery pressure. When I know that I w- that I can buy it in person, I'm going to be there, pick it up, open it in front of the Apple Store person, confirm that the screen looks good, and drive off. Wait, why are you going to confirm that the screen looks good? What's that? Uh, sometimes you got dead pixels. I've always done this. Interesting. Yeah, people do it all the time. They open it up and they, you know, at the hello screen, it's all white. You can see that pixel pretty easily. You just, you, you tell the person, hey, can you open this up and confirm it looks good? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, do it. They actually tell you, do you want to start the setup here? I'm like, yeah, no, I just want to confirm that it looks good. That's a, that's a pro tip. You don't want to go home and, and have a dead pixel on your screen and then you got to go back. Like, uh, this is the thing that annoys me um, when people are like, this is a, allow me for two minutes but this whole thing that i've seen lately with oh apple care is my case this is that is so silly and i don't get it because the people who say that are people who somehow have the time and patience to always go to the apple store to get it exchanged the real pro tip is don't break your phone because I mean, <laughs> what? You're rich and you do, and you have all the time in the world to always go to the Apple store and get it exchanged? Like what? Is it just like going to a coffee shop to exchange an iPhone? Do you understand the whole thing that it becomes? Make sure you have a backup and get give it to a person. And then you got to make sure that you have a secondary iPhone if they tell you, look, it's going to take a couple of days or it's going to take five hours. What? You're not going to get text messages for five hours or two days? Like how much time do you have? Are you Warren Buffett that you're just going to have a person that just 
paperless. It's gonna come in and give you another <laughs> phone that's already pre-configured for mm-hmm. you. That is so silly. Well, how would you say Apple Care is my case? No, a case is a case. Apple Care is insurance. Yeah, and also sometimes you go to Apple Care and they won't replace your horribly scratched phone because they say it's not broken enough. And and I see these nerds on Twitter and they make it so easy. Yeah, just go to the Apple Store. Like like what? Is your job going to the Apple Store out of sheer pleasure on a random morning mm-hmm. because Apple Care is your case? I t- <laughs> Wow. Man. Nerds. Wow. <sighs> Didn't expect all of that. I did realize, though, you, you've made this out to be like you've changed, right? Like, oh, I used to yeah, be in the hustle hopefully. for the iPhone on day one, and now you're just relaxed and mature, and you're just floating the Apple Store in a cloud of yes. something. What I think has happened is that you now no longer have the same delivery guy you used to, and you feel afraid of deliveries because you don't have the fallback of the UPS guy's phone yeah. number in the bakery. You're out, you know. Fair point. You're in this new place. You don't know your delivery person and you're you're scared and you don't have to be scared. It's a good theory. I do miss my previous delivery guy. But see, the thing is, I have a doorman now. Oh, look oh, at this guy. Geez. Oh, look at it. Look at a minute ago. He's like, oh, what are you rich people? You don't have your own doorman to just deal with it for you? Can't you can't send your own doorman to the Apple store like a commoner? Man of the people, I say. Oh, Federico, you shouldn't have said this. <laughs> All you're going to get from me is the truth and nothing but the truth. And this is the truth. When it comes to deliveries... Get the doorman to do it. I mean, I'm, we're paying for the guy. It's one of his responsibilities. I need to know, packages. is he your doorman or is he a doorman for other people as well? Well, for the, all the people okay. in the building, I live in an apartment. It's not just my doorman. I, I, I live in I a building know. with multiple apartments and 40, dif- no, not 40, but like 30 different families or something. So, yeah. But we all pay a fee, obviously. So, Just like a rubric person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the perks uh, of these buildings and, you know. The chat wants to know the doorman's name. I don't think you share that with us, but in my mind, his name is John. I don't know why. It just came to mind. <laughs> Look, it's so stereotypical. No, it's so, it wouldn't be John. It would be Giuseppe, it's right? It's so stere- stereotypical, and it's so easy. I mean, Mike will guess it. Think of it. First Italian name that comes to mind. Come Mario. On. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> it's a me, a doorman. <laughs> Have your package. <laughs> I can't wait for his brother to fill in for him one day, you know? Oh, imagine that. Imagine, hey, he's my brother Luigi. That, that Just a something. taller guy. He's, d- he's dressed in green. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so d- anyway, um, d- <laughs> Apple Care is not your case. Apple Care is a thing that you have so you don't pay to get your phone replaced. Don't make it sound like going to the Apple Store is just like uh, like tying your shoes or something. It's not. Uh, Federick, I need to tell you something. So Mike has been using a pop socket on his phone right for a long time. The phone that he broke, by the way. Whoa, that had nothing to do with drop. I didn't drop it. And we were together and he, had, he got a MagSafe pop socket, which is terrible. Like it's humongous and ugly and terrible Mm. and then he said something that really surprised me i might try it without a pop socket so mike is just gonna go potentially just full just no case Mm -hmm. no nothing and i'm i'm following up mike what are you doing i would like to get rid of the pop socket but the problem is i've gotten so used to being able to stand my phone and like watch video or whatever that i don't think i'm going to be able to do it 
Could I suggest a kickstand system? No, because it's like it's either I have a <laughs> I have a pop socket or I have nothing. Is how I feel, and I don't think I'm going to be able to go pop socketless. Hmm. To be honest with you, I don't think I'm going to keep the magnetic one on here. I don't like it, so it's I might big. just yeah, it's huge. It's so I might just go like uh, and get like another pop socket and put yeah. it on this new phone. But I'm, I haven't decided. I haven't fully decided yet, one way or the other. I'm using mine in the orange leather case. My phone is white, so it kind of looks like an ice cream treat on the back. But uh, the orange is nice and fun and, and colorful. And once we're firmly into jeans weather, which we are not even close right now in Memphis, I I, I tend to go caseless wearing jeans because like it's not going to slip out of my pocket. But wearing shorts or other kind of pants, I'm I'm using the the leather case. The doorman is my case. The doorman is my case. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why you guys find it find it so funny. Well, because it's very common here for for apartment modern apartments to have one. I mean, maybe. I mean, I've never. Experienced. It's not like in the. I think you guys are thinking of like American TV shows where like people living on the Upper East Side and they have this. They have the doorman. That's exactly with like, what with I'm thinking fa- of. No, it's not. It's not one of those doormen with the with the fancy hat and and the suit and everything. It's not about the hat or the suit. It's just the fact that there's somebody who sits in the bottom of your building and he greets you and you come in and he takes your package. Oh, and he talks. See? Right. Likes to talk. This is all what I'm thinking of. Like, it's not about how they dress. Oh, yeah. And he knows everybody's business, right? Uh, yeah. He does. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful person. Yeah. yeah. He's got a ton of power, actually. Do you think he oh, listens to get... Connected? Well, no, no. I think he spends a ton of time on Facebook, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Sometimes comes up with these theories about oh, no, no. society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the unfortunate downside of, of having that kind of... Yeah. Still, though, um, pretty Has he Googled you guy. yet, do you know? Huh? Has he Googled you yet, do you think? Oh, I believe so. Because mm. he made a joke about uh, me spending a ton of time in front of computers, and I don't believe I mentioned that. So, told you, he knows everybody's business. So, but I mean, comes with the territory, you know? Uh, now I don't have to stress about deliveries anymore. That would was, be nice. So, guys know me. You know, all the the stories about the missing packages from John, from you guys, from from Apple sometimes, like review My units. calendar last year. Your calendar, like that was really stressful and now that stress is gone. I'm all about removing stress, relieving stress from my life. And iPhone deliveries are part of that. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Every day is precious. We should all make the most out of each one. They shouldn't start with mediocre grocery store coffee. You deserve to start your day with the best coffee you can make at home from Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country directly to your home on your preferred schedule. Your trade experience can be as simple or as sophisticated as you like. If you know what you're looking for already, you can quickly select from curated collections by roast, flavor profile, brewing method, and more. Their team of experts do all the work for you. They taste test hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Or if you want something curated just for you, then take a minute to complete Trade's Coffee Questionnaire. You'll be expertly matched to your perfect coffee with a fresh bag of beans on their way. Mike, tell me about your experience with Trade Coffee. I would actually prefer to tell you about the Mike collection, which is available 
with Trey Coffee. Oh, here we go. Man of the people. If you want to have good coffee the way Mike likes it, if you go to tra- uh, if you go to our URL, what is our URL, Stephen? Our URL is drinktrade.com slash connected. Then you will see on that page of Mike's favorites, like Mike's faves, and you can go there and you can sample some of the wonderful coffees that I have had hmm. from Trade with all of my favorite uh, tasting notes that I enjoy. Uh, they've done a really good job of picking out some of the stuff that I've had that I've really enjoyed from some of the roasteries that I've really liked. Um, and they've also, you know, taken what I've been getting from trade and using that uh, to with their really cool matching that they do to build uh, a great selection of coffee that I will love, that I think you will love too. Uh, I've been very, very happy with everything that I've got from trade. So why don't you go and try my collection? So if you want to be like Mike, you want to go to drinktrade.com slash connected. Trade will have whatever you want. So you don't have to be like Mike. You can, again, shop coffees by roast or flavor profile. You can take that coffee quiz. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh just when you need it. Trade guarantees you will love the first bag. And if not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com connected. That's drinktrade.com connected for 30 bucks off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for the support of the show and keeping Mike on his toes. It is now time for the event that everyone has been waiting for. Oh my God. The yes. TV OS 16 review. Oh my God. The Mike Hurley review. The only one. The one and only. I was kind of hoping everyone would forget, to be honest, this year. No, we had quite a few emails and tweets about this. Uh, we don't get years off. This is a responsibility. This is a duty that we need to uphold each summer. The TV OS team is hard at work day in and day out crafting this operating system. So you have to spend time reviewing it for us. So... Tell us what's new. We are firmly within blink and you'll miss it territory when it comes to tvOS. Oh, right such now. a good opening line. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I genuinely believe most users would literally have no idea that their Apple TV had updated. Uh, like when you perform the update, it gives you like a, three features that, the Apple t- that tvOS has added. And honestly... I have a bunch of features I'm going to tell you about today that even the tvOS update doesn't tell you has been updated <laughs> on your Apple TV. So they're seriously underplaying uh, this platform just in general right now, including the platform itself is underplaying itself. A prime example of this, though, is where you will find a subset of the list of new features for tvOS 16. It is in a support document. That's where you get a list of what is new for tvOS 16 for Apple TV. tvOS, I think with 16, maybe, I think maybe, no, they had it with 15. They don't even have a page on Apple's website anymore for tvOS, like at all. You, there just isn't one. There's pages for Apple TV, Apple TV Plus, that kind of stuff, but there is no longer like a, hey, here's what's happening. They don't have that. They don't have any kind of visual page for tvOS 16. I hope that this is not the case going forward, but as of right now, that is the case. And they have like five features 
that are on this knowledge base article. One of them is an accessibility feature called Hover Text, which is great that they've put that in there. But there are many other features. The biggest feature I think that tvOS has had, I expect from a development standpoint, is something called cross-device connectivity. This is not mentioned in tvOS's release notes anywhere. And unfortunately, I do think it's going to be the age-old story of tvOS of this is a great idea and unlocks a lot of really interesting places developers could go to, but I don't think anyone's going to implement it. Like, you know, so this is what it does. With cross-device connectivity, the Apple TV can integrate with other devices like your watch, your iPhone, and your iPad to, quote, unlock new experiences on Apple TV. So, for example, you could make a fitness app like Fitness Plus that could gather data or show data with a companion watch app or a companion iPhone app, right? So you could be looking at something on your TV and the iPhone app could be giving you more information. So, you know, potentially could do some playing field leveling the Fitness Plus, although I have no doubt that Fitness is Plus thing, you cannot do that. Like you can't tie into the activity rings or whatever. But I thought it could maybe enable something like I've spoken about this before, that I would love tvOS in general to get a feature like Amazon's X-Ray, which is where you can be watching something on Amazon Prime and get information about who's on screen, uh, what else is in the frame, that kind of stuff. I figured maybe, you know, let's imagine Netflix, for example, they could have, an, you could be watching something on the TV app and then the, um, the maybe on the Netflix phone app, you could be seeing information about other stuff that's on screen at that moment. Uh, I figured you could create, say, a second screen experience to sports games. So you could be watching a football game and get score updates on your iPad or whatever. That'd be cool. That's that's one of like my f- favorite features of Amazon Prime Video. Like if you're watching, it will show you like who's in the scene, what other stuff they've been in. I actually find it really useful because I don't know about y'all, but I feel like every time I watch something, because I'm terrible at this, like I know I've seen this actress in something else, right? And mm-hmm. Prime just surfaces it for you. And this would be such a cool way to bring that to you know, the place where we watch the most TV in the living room. And so I wish they would do this. I think it was Apple would do this for Siri, but they've yet to do it. But in theory, other companies could do this kind of stuff now. I figured you could probably have it as a way to make some interesting multiplayer game experiences too, right? If the devices can communicate. So these are all like potentially really cool ideas, you know, but I don't expect to see it because stuff like this gets added to tvOS but developers don't adopt it, like user profiles. So that user profile for thing, which is something that they, I think they've added some new functionality in tvOS 16 to let you create them on the device more easily. You c- Developers can tie in. So like Netflix can tie in. So you don't ever have to see the Netflix, who is this screen, right? You know, like when you go onto Netflix and it's like you choose the profile, you can tie that into tvOS's profile. So you just do it at a system level. But no developers are tying into it because they don't care what what Apple TV is doing. Yeah, they don't care. Like they, there's such a standoffishness. You know, like you think it's bad. Like you know, we complain about Google, right? That like their apps on iPhone, on iPad, and stuff like that. This is just par for the course with TV, right? Like the major apps on the TV, they they don't care about 
anything that the Apple TV is doing, right? Like, you're lucky if they'll integrate with the TV app, but they don't use any of the UI stuff, right? Like, you know, like the fun, like the the, the way you get that. What is that called? I don't remember the name. I should know this as the TV guy, where they did it with the like with the tiles where they can kind of move and they... The parallax? No, and they, they brought it with... The, it was the underlying technology for the... The focus engine? Thank you, focus engine, right? So they don't even do that. Dynamic engine focus. Yes, exactly. The photonic focus engine. Fo- focusonic engine. But they don't even do that, right? <laughs> so I hope to be proven wrong, but I don't expect to see a lot of this happening. Um, talking about fitness, though, Fitness Plus will now show what is called intensity metrics on screen. So this is when it's like there's parts of a Fitness Plus workout where they're like, now's the time to push. They're going to show more of that on the TV screen. Like if you do it on an iPad or an iPhone, you're already seeing some of this. More of that's going to show up there. Uh, TVOS now supports HDR10+. So that's um, there's a new feature called Buddy Controller, which I think is really cool. You do this in TVOS's settings. So if you have like, say, two because you can now support Nintendo Switch controllers. So let's imagine you now have two Nintendo Switch controllers. I do. And you're playing with somebody who has maybe different accessibility needs or maybe you're playing with children. You can combine two controllers to essentially be one controller. That's So you can have multiple controllers, multiple people. So you could have one person maybe who's doing the jumping and one person who's doing the movement. And I thought, you know, like parents can maybe if they're playing a game with their kids nice. and maybe they're struggling on it a little bit, they can mm-hmm. just like, you know, just sneakily help them out. So I think that's a cool feature. Luckily, this is a feature which is just in Apple's settings and <laughs> game developers don't need to do anything. Thank, thank goodness. Because uh, no one would do anything. Right. I mean, I guess for this to work, you have to have a game you want to play on tvOS, but that's a yeah, different you know, topic. Apple Arcade, there's stuff. There's some stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's some stuff. Um, we now have new rich previews for Apple TV Plus content in the TV Plus section, so that's good. Multiple language text input support. This is literally one of the three features that they tell you about when you update to tvOS 16. I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a banner feature, but it's one that they really want you to know when they, when they tell you when you update. It supports personalized spatial audio, with AirPods, of course, let's not get wild. You can't do the setup on DVOS. But if you've already done the setup with your AirPods for personalized uh, spatial audio on iOS, you can go and it will support that profile that you've created for yourself on the TV. I don't think I've ever, ever used AirPods with my Apple TV. I just always forget the thing that I could do. Yeah, I don't ever really think about it too. It got easier when they started doing the automatic switching thing. Yeah. Although with the TV, it just asks you all the time, which I think is good rather than actually doing the switching. Sure. Um, they they handled that right there, but it is a feature <laughs> that's available to you if you want it. Unlike their other products where your AirPods just skip around for <laughs> uh, reasons that cannot be comprehended sometimes. Yeah, I would say by and large, I use that feature and by and large, I find it to, to work pretty well for I me. I need to try it again then because I turned it off in the early days and haven't looked back. But as we discovered on Friday during the podcast-a-thon, using AirPods 2 is a far worse experience than AirPods Pro in a bunch of different ways that are interesting. So maybe yeah. the, the new ones will, will work out for me. Uh, Apple TV and tvOS supports the My Sports feature. This is like one of their new like, cross-platform things yeah. where you can tell something somewhere in Apple's platforms, hey, I like the sports team, and then it will follow you across platforms. 
from thing to thing. Yeah, I you know think... what? I'm thinking now. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the things that TVOS tells you about if you're in America. Maybe I don't. <laughs> so my thing where I'm telling you, there's these three things. That's what I saw when I updated. Hmm. It is possible that in other markets they're showing you other features like my sports, which I think is just a US thing. And I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, show and I actually don't think it's. I don't think it's out. Like I'm in the news app, and I can't I can't find it okay. anywhere. That may also be uh, because... one thing I, I do want TVOS to be better at is if you're watching a, a a game, don't send me notifications about that game on the TV. So like if you're watching a movie and you have mm. uh, like for me like I have the uh, you know I watch a lot of Memphis Tigers football games for instance, and it's like oh Memphis kickoff is in five minutes or there's a close score of the Grizzlies games like. If I'm already watching it, I don't need the TV app to send me a notification that the score is close because I can see that the score is close. And I understand that Apple like doesn't want to know what you're watching and for privacy reasons. And that's great. Like I, I think that's all really good. But maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of knowledge about what I'm doing would be helpful. That is weird that it does that. I didn't know that it did that. Yeah. It's that, like, oh, that, Memphis kicking it's off. It's not like, doing anything to try and work out that maybe you're watching it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know. Apple, I can see it with my eyes. Uh, like many platforms, um, support for Matter is coming later. I guess this will probably be tvOS 16.1 is when it will likely ship. Because I know that iOS 16.1 has a settings panel for Matter. So, you know, but I expect Matter is going to be an important thing for TVOS. TVO, the Apple TV is probably most people's, at least one of their home hubs if they have that at home. I think it makes a lot of sense to have that or a HomePod be the home hub rather than an iPad. Um, and Matter is going to be supported on the Apple TV. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I understand that the iPad is maybe more likely to have than these other products, but it always seems strange to me that it could be a home hub. Yeah. Because you could just walk out the door with it. And, you know, for I've had my Apple TV set up my home up forever, and I've never had it really cause any issues. It's always there, right? Like, I'm not, I don't travel with my Apple TV or anything, so... Well, it's always plugged in, too. Yeah, it's just always there under the TV, like, quietly doing its thing. It's kind of it. Okay. And I stretched it, so I ha but I have a conclusion. Ooh, okay. that's important. You know, I learned from all of the review greats that you've got to have an intro and a conclusion, which I've given you today. And the most of my work was put into the intro and the conclusion. The rest of this was just digging around online. I would like to thank Apple Insider, Mac Rumors, and 9to5Mac for giving me some of these features. I don't know where they got them because Apple sure doesn't want to tell you about them. <laughs> I think if what we have right now, like with what I've just spoken to you about, is Apple's intended plan for year-over-year year changes. Like, if this is what they were like, yeah, you know, this is what we want tvOS to be, just this kind of amount of change. I actually believe that they would have just rolled tvOS into iOS now in the way that they do with the HomePod, right? So, like, the HomePod gets some very basic features each year, and HomePod gets its own software update, but it's really, it's kind of iOS, right? Like iOS kind of is there and you update it on the phone and it does its whole thing. Or, or like the studio display for, for that matter. Yeah, right? Like it, you update the studio display via software update on the Mac. It's actually part of a Mac OS update more than anything else. And I feel like if this was their intention that they would have just done that, 
So I do still feel like there are bigger things on the horizon for tvOS with new hardware areas that they can move into. But we have to wait for that to materialize, I think, before tvOS can make bigger jumps. Like, if they go into really pushing different types of HomePod devices and TV devices, like, it could all be a part of tvOS or, like, a new operating system that kind of, like, HomeOS or something encapsulates all of it, you know? Like, I would love to have a tvOS that's got an integrate, like a TV that's got an integrated HomePod soundbar and like a camera so I could do family FaceTime calls or whatever, right? Like, but I think for tvOS to make bigger leaps, hmm. it needs to have more than just that little box because I think we've pushed it to its, I think they've pushed it to some of its logical conclusions now. Now, as, as I said before on the show, there are things that I want to see tvOS do but I don't know if they're necessarily what Apple wants to do because some of it's going to require business model changes that I don't think that they're wanting to do, right? But if we're going to see maybe bigger jumps for tvOS, I think there needs to be some hardware. Or what we're seeing with tvOS 16 is the beginning of the rolling in of tvOS to iOS with like this continued downplaying of tvOS as its own platform. It doesn't get mentioned at WWDC keynotes. It doesn't get its own pages, Really, and by and large, it's just benefiting from things that the other platforms are getting because it needs to support them. Hmm. I think that 2023 could be a pivotal year for Apple TV and its place in the home if there's going to be new hardware for it. And I hope that it, I hope genuinely that it gets a bigger place. I love my Apple TV, I, it's how I consume all of my streaming media content. I think it's a great platform. And it is even best when everyone's on the same page with it. Yeah. And I can get all of my content in the TV app. All that. I think it works great. Could I interest you in a new window management system for tvOS? I mean, the thing is, like, when Federico's writing his conclusions, like, usually people don't just, like, pop in with yeah, their exactly. comments. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Bill, I was building, building to a thing here, you it's, know? It's a solemn moment. Please continue. But although... <laughs> they actually could do with a better picture-in-picture system. So yes, agreed. Some kind of window management there actually might not be a bad idea. But <laughs> nevertheless, I think that advancement to tvOS has to start with hardware. Like Apple's always talking about their strength of the integration of hardware and software. And right now, their TV efforts with hardware is showing the weakness in software. They don't actually have anything to integrate the software with. Nothing's changing. So, tvOS 16. That's it. Well done. I, I actually underwhelming. I actually no. I actually really enjoyed the review, though. <laughs> Thank you. Like I know that. See, see, the thing is, this 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 whole segment. It kind of started off as a meme, but I actually, I actually really dig it. Like the work you're that not you going to learn in. about this anywhere else. So <laughs> I am no, actually taking it though. now as as a as a service that I provide to the passionate ones. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I actually like the the intro and the conclusion and your thoughts, and I agree with you. I think the next obvious step for this is hardware. Otherwise, uh, this is pretty much it. I guess the only thing I would add as a as a consideration is what's the plan here for the eventual headset? Like, right? There's gotta be something in terms of when you're wearing something and you're staring at a big screen. I'm guessing there'll be some kind of compatibility there. So maybe they can still 
you know, they can still get by with just a small little puck that you place in, you know, next to your TV and the TV shows content that is somehow compatible with the headset. But I don't know. As it stands right now, it's kind of boring and I agree with you. I would love to have proper TV with a HomePod and, a, and an Apple TV all in one, but it doesn't exist and this is all we get. And mm-hmm. yeah, kind of underwhelming. But thank you. Anytime. Well, not anytime. One time a year. <laughs> one time. Once <laughs> a year. That's what I mean. One time. <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever had a technical snafu while online shopping? Have you gotten a headache filling out a payment field? Or has your mobile banking app ever been down when you really needed to use it? Capital One believes that everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to their money and more security while doing so. That's why Capital One is investing big in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forests with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it easier and faster to alert federal investigators. And they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping a mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response can help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One also speeds up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is huge. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One or check out the link in the show notes. Capital One, what's in your wallet? So we're going to talk next week about the Apple Watch Ultra. Reviews went up this morning. I watched MKBHD's and and iJustine's, both fantastic videos. Go check them out. Uh, But we're going to talk next week because I should have mine on Friday. I think we're also going to get into WatchOS 9 a little bit. Maybe one of the only tech podcasts that you listen to where one of the hosts has actually decided to buy that thing. So we might as well wait and talk about your actual experiences (laughs) rather than what other reviewers have thought. Doing it for the passionate ones, you know? For the connected no, family. You know, you're doing it purely for yourself, but I appreciate I'm that you're doing it. I'm doing it because they made it orange. <laughs> uh, but we did want to talk about iOS 16.1, and in particular, iPadOS 16.1. Federico, mm-hmm. you uh, continue to document the rather horrific state of Stage Manager mm-hmm. on the iPad. Has 16.1 fixed it? No. <laughs> and it's getting worse. But here... So... I'm in a complex situation right now because I feel like I've, I've gone through stage manager with iPadOS. I feel like I've gone through, a, a, it's like a relationship. And in the beginning, it's all, you know, love and hugs and we love each other and we're so happy together. And then very quickly in this accelerated timeline, you start to see the flaws and the problems of the mm. other person, or in this case, a software feature. Hey, I'm not weird. Look, I'm just making a point. And then eventually you get to, you, you grow, you know, if you don't find common ground, if you don't find a resolution for your issues, you get to despise each other. And I feel like I've seen all these stages this summer. <laughs> Because when I started off with with Stage Manager, uh, obviously it was incredible, right? 
the idea of using multiple apps at the same time, going beyond two, using three, four, that's great. Like, I wanted to have that. And I was willing to put up with the idea of overlapping windows um, because the implementation seemed pretty decent. Um, and even though I didn't need overlapping windows, um, I could get by, I figured. I wasn't a little bit unsure about the design. And as I pointed out in my iOS, iPadOS 16 preview story in July, uh, there were a ton of issues, a ton of problems, technically speaking, and the external display integration was not working at all. And there were a ton of questionable design decisions, but I figured, hey, I can use multiple apps at the same time. And that's cool. And over time, we've gone backwards, honestly. And, and we're still... And in the latest beta of iPadOS 16.1 uh, beta 2, I feel like we're still going backwards uh, in terms of stability. And just I am experiencing at the moment constant crashes. Uh, MG Siegler put it so well on Twitter. He tweeted that at the moment in iPadOS 16.1 uh, beta 2, uh, using iPadOS feels like Desmond in Lost where when he needed to put in the numbers in the console every 30 minutes or so. And the crashes in iPadOS are just like that. It feels like I'm on a timer when I'm working on the iPad because every 20 minutes or so, it's going to crash. And it's going to close all my windows and I get, you know, I'm taking back to the lock screen. Um, it's very bad. It's very bad. The thing about Stage Manager is that, well, two things. One, Apple is still adding things and... It, sort of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and making concessions for design design decisions that probably should have been made two months ago instead of now. Case in point, um, you can now shift-click um, uh, windows in the strip on the left side of Stage Manager to add the window to your workspace. So normally, when you click a window, you switch between workspaces. But now, if you shift-click, you add that window from the strip into your workspace. Does this also work from the dock? <laughs> there it is. No, it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it, <laughs> it doesn't work from... So you, <laughs> you, you do it so late in the game, but you do it halfway. But then at this point, I wonder, okay... You were so set, and when I say this, I say this because I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. If you were so set on saying, we believe the strip, it lets you switch between workspaces because that's what people do when they click on Windows, which is questionable thinking from a design perspective, but okay, I'll buy it. Now, in late September, you decide, well, although I guess if you shift-click, maybe you want to add a window to the workspace. I mean, great, but... At this point, I wonder, should it just, just make it an option in Stage Manager and let people choose when you click a window, do you want to add it or do you want to switch? And if you hold down a modifier, it toggles the behavior. Like, just do that instead of shipping half an option. Second, now, and this is still part of the first thing, I'll get to the second thing in a minute. Uh, another change is that now, you have almost pixel-by-pixel pixel repositioning of Windows, but 
Only if a window covers two other windows in the background and only on the X axis. So only horizontal. I was trying this out today and like yeah. I, th I thought some like I couldn't understand what was happening because it wasn't working, but it was because the window was ever so slightly larger than the one behind it. Why is that the thing? <laughs> so Why is it only that way? Why do they add like these half features? I don't get it. Stop adding new half features. <laughs> Why? So uh, that's the thing, right? They started off with this. This is exactly the problem we talked about a month ago. When it's like, you're so set on, on having to ship a feature, but you're making these half concessions now to try and please people who are criticizing your thing. And you think you're fixing the problem, but instead you're just digging yourself a deeper hole and the problem is going to get deeper and deeper. Because well, let's go back to June. In June, a lot of people were saying, okay, you did multi-windowing, but you're not giving us exact control over the position of the windows. If you're going to do Mac-like multitasking, just do it right and let me control windows. And Apple was like, no, no, no. We, it's called stage, like it's literally in the name. Like it's called stage manager because it manages the position of windows for you. And so now in late September, you make a concession on the very feature that's in the name of the thing. So now you get to actually fully manage the position of a window, but with a bunch of asterisks, right? Only if it covers two windows and only horizontally, what, I can reposition a window vertically? Like, what? Like, and you've proven that it is technically possible to Possi do this. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, and that concludes the first thing. The second thing is, I was taking a look yesterday and then this morning again at the Verge article, uh, a look at the latest Windows 11 update. Uh, they have a the 2022 update, the you know whatever it's called. It's out now. You should update. There's a bunch of features. One of them is even more controls and more options for the tiling window mechanism that Windows has long offered and that it's come even better in Windows 11. And it, uh, I shared it on Twitter. Go take a look at that GIF that I shared because it gives you the, an, an idea. And I, as a fancy writers would say, I posited this question. Imagine if iPadOS 16 uh, got this version of multitasking and improved split view with a ton more controls for tiling windows. And so now... See, I'm thinking, right? So I'm thinking about Stage Manager because I'm supposed to write about it at some point in the very near future. And I'm, and I'm asking this question. Would anybody be upset if Stage Manager went away and instead you got a better split view? And I keep thinking about this. Like, does anybody want overlapping windows? Did Apple misinterpret what people wanted and instead they tried to sell us on this feature where all we wanted really was a better split view? Because the thing that I don't get is that on the Mac, I could make an argument, even though, as I wrote many times before, like I'm not a fan of overlapping Windows, but I can make an argument for it on macOS because Windows overlap and beneath the Windows... 
you see your desktop. And so you got that two-way relationship, right? Between Windows and stuff, documents, files, whatever, on your desktop. Mm -hmm. And you got that bridge in between them, right? So like, yeah, the Windows overlap. Because if you, you know, imagine you're blowing, like, you blow the Windows away, you see your desktop and you see your files. Sort of like you have that layering going on. And you don't have that with Stage Manager on iPadOS. So, so what's the point of the Windows overlapping? If you're spending, if you're gonna be spending most of your time resizing Windows in a grid or some fashion of a grid on iPadOS, why do they need to overlap? Like you're seeing nothing beneath them. You don't see your home screen. And even if you did, you can't place documents on your home screen. What's the point of making them overlap? And I keep thinking about this. Is this a case of Apple trying to be too fancy for its own good? We were all asking for better multitasking and better external display integration. And Apple heard that as, oh, you want Mac-like overlapping windows. And we're like, no, no, no. Like, it, it, we don't necessarily need that just give us better controls for a split view and so, and i don't know i i keep thinking about this idea but at the same time i'm feeling like well if apple is going for it like i don't want to be the guy left behind you know we've seen the people who are like oh i'm stopping you know my using the ipad like i'm not doing that like if these are moving on with the times, I am begrudgingly moving on with the times, I suppose. And so I'm trying stage manager. I'm trying to like it, but the more I use it, you know, set aside the technical stuff that's so broken right now. Like I'm trying to use it from a, from a mere design perspective. I'm like, why? Why am I looking at overlapping windows right now? Why are they overlapping with each other? I don't get it. And I'm realizing that I, myself, I'm using Stage Manager. This is, by the way, thank you guys for letting me vent all these frustrations and ideas because this is good practice for the review. But I'm realizing that all I'm doing, essentially, is using the resize indicator a bunch every day because all I'm doing is I'm carefully resizing windows to make them fit into some mosaic-like grid view. That's all I'm doing, which is precisely what I dislike about overlapping windows. And that's where I'm at with Stage Manager. Bugs on one side and questionable design on the other. And I'm like in the middle trying to make sense of all of this. And I just keep thinking about this alternate tim timeline where Apple didn't go for a Mac-like feature, but instead improved upon an iPad native design. But that's, you know, not what we have. So I don't really know what what's going to happen. I can't put my finger on what's going to happen here. Exactly. Like, like to get even to 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 ask an even simpler question. Does anybody love Stage Manager? You, I'm sure people do. I'm, like I I know I understand what you're asking, but you've got to assume there's at least some people who are like this is what like, I want. Do, Really? You think there are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes all kinds, Federico, you know what I mean? Like, th there's got to be some people that are like, this is what I want. Really? Instead of a better split view. 
I don't know. Because, okay. Right? Uh, well. well. As James, James is making a joke, but it's, I think it's a good point. I bet the stage manager designer does. There are people inside of Apple that that think this is the way to go. Like, I'm not Look, saying I'm they're saying, right, I'm, I'm not saying, saying they're wrong, but, like, you got to assume that there's at least one person sure, inside yeah, of I Apple mean, who's like, we nailed it here. ton of smart people. Like, I'm just wondering if maybe this is a Mac feature that made a lot of sense on macOS, some sense on macOS, and they, tr- they thought, oh, this is also what the iPad people want, you know, time saved. We're just going to build it I once, wonder, ship it on two platforms. Where it started. Like, I do, what, did this start on the Mac or did this well, start on iPad? I mean, I, according I to an article that apparently uh, got taken down off the internet, it started on the Mac like 10 years ago. Exactly. And it used oh, to be called yeah. Shrinkadink on, on Mac OS X. But here's my other question. If that design was scrapped... Maybe the, that was for a reason. Okay, I'm just saying. But I will say. Well, but it works better on the Mac, though, right? It's so much better on the Mac. Yeah. So. And so I gotta wonder, isn't it funny that the one time, the one time Apple shipped a Mac-like feature on iPad instead of doing an iPad first thing? Look at what's happening. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. So far, I mean, there's been tons of people who didn't like Split View, didn't like Slide Over, but not this kind of criticism, not this kind of outcry. Well, and, and not look, the kind of bugginess either, right? Like, like, even if you like the way it works, if it crashes all the time, it doesn't matter how good you think it is, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, do, I do worry that in an effort to align the iPad and Mac with this feature, that they're making something that is like not great on either platform. Like the compromises are too high. Uh, I don't know how they get around that because they, they sure seem set on like, okay, this feature is going to be on your Mac and your iPad and they work the same way, except in places they don't. It just seems like such a mistake because these, these platforms are so different I mean, I remember when this was rumored really thinking like, oh yeah, great. Like overlapping windows make a lot of sense on the Mac. They can make sense on the iPad. I think they still could, but I think the details around how Apple has done this on the iPad, just they just don't make sense. Yeah, and honestly, like personally speaking, it's kind of heartbreaking, really, in the sense that like all these years that we've been talking and I've been writing these reviews and pointing out all these instances in which Apple was rethinking macOS features for a different type of computing device, for a different type of platforms, of platform. And now instead, it's almost as if they just gave up and they were like, yeah, I guess we'll give them the overlapping windows and the Mac feature because that's what they wanted. It sort of lacks enthusiasm and it lacks, well, you know, passion that we had before like what what's where are the people who came up with split view and slide over and then when they changed slide over and they let you put multiple apps in slide over and then they thought of the shelf like like i'm genuinely missing the shelf and that's saying a lot um if you remember you know the shelf that apple did but like, where's that type of like out of the box thinking? Like, okay, let's rethink multitasking here. Instead, it's just like, yeah, I guess we gave up. Everybody, we just gave them desktop like multi windowing. That's it. It's kind of sad, honestly. I wouldn't want to be you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. for so many reasons. Like, one, that you have a professional obligation to write about this, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to, one way or another, write about this. Mm-hmm. But also, like, mm-hmm. everyone's looking at you and they're like, this is what you wanted, right? Yep. Like, this is what you want. You wanted this. You asked mm-hmm. for this. This is your feature for you on mm-hmm. your platform. And yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that situation and, it, and what's even worse is that it's i started off in june at wwdc with so much enthusiasm for this mm-hmm. and so much optimism oh surely apple is going to improve this surely there's going to be you know for those of us who don't like manually resizing windows surely there's going to be support for presets via shortcuts and they're going to ship this right because they're going to ship this because a manager said so and because there's Stuck on this idea that the, 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 this this gotta happen in October because a future iPad next spring is gonna gotta have Stage Manager. We can't delay this because also there's basically no other feature in iPad OS. So they're gonna ship this. They're gonna do it. The Stage Manager manager will, will get their way. Stage Manager manager takes the stage. Um, you're convinced that they're gonna that they're gonna do that. You're convinced they're gonna ship it. Uh, if there was a time to push this out to next year to cancel this or delay this was last month. And instead of the cancellation, we got a delay in October. They're going right. to do it. Right. Because at this it. point, it's too, they can't keep iPads no. on 15 for much longer, right? Like no. they have no. to push it. And now this is so into the system. It seems, Honestly, I guess, uh, too hard to pull out. I don't, uh, that I don't know. But uh, what I hope is that at the very least, and look, look, I mean, look at us, we're begging for these things, and I think it's kind of ridiculous. I would say, if you really think you gotta do it, um, disabled by default, no splash screens, no promotional boxes that pop up to tell you about it, disabled, no promo messages, and it's labeled as a beta. Like, make it super optional to get mm. into, and mm. you don't even get the default toggle in Control Center. Wow. Just bury it. Hide it. Bury it for people who really want it. The one instance in which I would say enable it, like, put it up and show it, like, put up a promo message when you connect an external display. Yeah. In that case, put up the external message. The, the, promotional thing like hey this is stage manager like in that case yes otherwise for most people no at least not in this current version but yes mike um what you said about me feeling like uh you know that's that scene from the simpson where everybody's looking at bart and they're like come on do the thing do the thing i feel like that like everybody looking at me be like right. you're happy right you must be so happy like Ah, yeah. I'm so, you know, looking around. Yeah, I'm so happy. It's it's awkward, yeah. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about this week, head on over to our website, relay.fm slash connected slash 416. We also invite you to go to stjude.org slash relay and donate to our campaign. It's running through the end of September. We can We can join together and help cure childhood cancer. You can find us all online. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. He hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM as well. You can find Federico as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. 
You can find me online as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I'd thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Trade Coffee, and Capital One. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.